the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Like a hammer hitting the knee and the foot going up in the air, so too our character should change as we find ourselves spirit-filled. We'll talk about this next here on Truth For Today. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Marvelous Sunday school hymn that bears a striking truth that corresponds with our time today here in God's Word. Welcome. This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard will take us back to our message called Characteristics of a Spirit-Filled Man or Woman. So if we were to hold up a spiritual mirror... What would we look like if we were spirit-filled? Now, that's what we're doing today, taking a look at that mirror and seeing what a spirit-filled person should look like, characteristically speaking. With more, here's Pastor Phil Howard. He's saying, let yourself be under the influence of the Spirit, just like you get under the influence of an intoxicating drink. Get yourself under the influence of the Spirit. How do I do that? How do I get myself under that influence? I think the predominant attitude is an attitude of trust again. Trust and obey. But that makes it active in your mind. I'm reckoning on God's word. He says, I'm in Christ in Romans 6. I'm counting on it. I'm presenting my body. Two things. I'm taking God at his word. That's faith. I'm making myself available. That means I'm willing to obey. I may not even know what to obey. That's all he wants. Trust me, be willing to obey me. Not my will, but your will be done. What is God's will? I don't know, but I'm willing to do it. God doesn't reveal his will to see if you'll do it. Many times he asks you if you'll do it before he ever tells you what it is. Unconditionally, you're willing. That's Romans 6. Now, we kind of looked the last time. This active-passive idea is this way. I actively, like Mary, the mother of Jesus, say, I'm willing to have the baby. Your handmaiden is yours. I respond in faith, yes, I believe you, but I cannot perform the miracle. You've got to do something in me to have this baby. I'm just an available body. All God wanted was her cooperation and consent God does the miracle. See, active, passive. She receives something done to her she couldn't do herself. This is spirit filling. I'm going to trust you, Father. And the Father says, I'm going to fill you with the Spirit. I'm going to control you and influence you and produce things in you that are supernatural. How do I get that? Just trust me. A man by the name of Abraham. I'm going to make your sea like the stars of the heaven. God, I'll do the only thing I can do. I'm going to believe you. Genesis 15, 6. But I don't know how to make Sarah have a baby. 
I don't know how to get rid of the barrenness. I don't know how to end this barren state in my marriage to Sarah. God says, that's not your part to take care of, Abraham. Your part is to believe me. I'll do the miracle. Active, passive. Does that make sense? Well, uh, it's something that over and over in the Word of God, I think when I choose to walk in the Spirit, I say, Lord, uh, I choose to love this person who might be my enemy. I believe that you want me to love that enemy. I choose to do it. I choose to believe that you can do it through me. God says I can respond to that attitude. He's free to fill you with the Spirit. Now, let's uh, go to what the Spirit does. Let's go to Galatians 5. I want to give you a quiz on this after a while, so be ready. So that you can say it back. Isn't it simple? It's so simple that uh, that's why spirit filling is so uh, relational. That's where uh, you can be walking in the spirit one moment and 10 minutes down the road all of a sudden be into anxiety or uh, have a struggle. Faith is a moment-by-moment attitude. And uh, that's how God wants us to live Then his spirit fills us. Now... Let's begin with verse 13. Galatians 5. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. It's quite interesting that the sheep had become carnivorous. You know, when sheep are not eating on green pastures, they can start chewing on people. And here they were becoming carnivorous. And he says, watch out. So I say, live by the Spirit. I like it better walk. It's really walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The word walk here means order your manner of life. Live your life walking in or by means of the Spirit. Well, how can I do that? I choose to believe the Father. I choose to set my mind on Him. I put to death the deeds of the body according to Romans 8. When the flesh rears up, I say, I'm dead to you. I'm not alive. I am alive to the Father. I make that choice, I choose to believe God, and I begin to order every aspect of my life in the energy and enablement of the Spirit. Now notice what the Spirit does. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. So we realize that in our being is a civil war going on. The the flesh, the spirit. And sometimes you don't know, you get the feeling, I'm not even in charge here. It's either the spirit or the sinful nature. One thing he says, notice, why did he say you're not under law? Why do you think he threw it in there? I'm inclined to say that there's no rules that you can make that can control or defeat the sin nature. 
The sin nature loves rules, just so it can break them. The sin nature, according to Paul, he said, the law, when the law came that was perfect, what effect did it have on his sin nature? It revived sin in him, and he wanted to rebel. Romans 7, 9. That which was good became bad to me, because the law that said thou shalt not covet made me want to covet. When the law says you shall not, there was that in me that wanted to do it. Because the law cannot control your sin nature. Rules, even God's rules, cannot control it. Look at Romans 8, 8, 3. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. How are they? Who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. It's the Spirit-filled walk that helps me to do all that the law would command. But law alone cannot make me obedient. It's powerless because the sin nature is weaker than the law and it rebels. Now look what he says in 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So he's talking about in the spirit-filled life, we put to death the deeds of the body. That we've been called not to slavery, to rules. We've been called to the privilege of sonship. And how do we walk? We walk in the spirit as we're trusting the Father and rejoicing in the Abba relationship. It's relational. The Christian life is not mechanical. It's relational. It's like this stuff, Bob. People don't know relational language in relation to God. For instance, uh, sometimes believers say, well, I know God's with me. Uh, Well, what do you mean he's with you? And I say, well, he's just everywhere. Why did God say, draw nigh to me? And I will draw nigh to you. How can you draw nigh to someone that's omnipresent? Is God everywhere present? Well, how can you draw nigh to someone already present? Relational. Relational. Two people could be in the same room and still need to draw nigh to each other. It's relational. Why does God say, seek my face? He, I just was reading Jeremiah last week. He says, I'll show you my back and not my face, for you have backslidden, Israel. There's relational language. The Christian life is not laws and rules. It's this sensitive relational thing. Just like he said in Romans 7, it's like the bride is to put herself in the arms of the bridegroom that she might bear children or bear fruit for Christ. It's relational again. And that's why I think uh, it's a hard, it's easy to reduce it to formula, but the formulas don't work. You know that. It's relational. It's a sensitive of being married to someone, this Christian life. Boy, I mean, when we're married and for a long time, I mean, a, a look 
can give 20 paragraphs. We know what was meant. Uh, to maintain marital happiness or relationships with people, it's sensitive. It's not based on just rules. It's based upon sensitivity. Now watch the effects here. I must move on. In Galatians here. Get back there. Why did I get you off track? I mean myself off track. You're not under the law. Now if I'm walking in the spirit, I obviously will not be walking to do anything that's of the sin nature. And he lists all this bad stuff that you've probably read many times. I cannot be walking in the spirit and be into sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, three sexual sins. If I'm walking in the spirit, I will not be into false religious activity, idolatry, witchcraft. If I'm walking in the spirit, I cannot be uh, hating you, at discord with you, jealous of you, angry with you, selfishly, ambitiously motivated full of dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Matter of fact, those who practice and live this way as a pattern of life will not even inherit the kingdom of God. You ever known churches to split? Have you ever been through a church fight? You lust and you quarrel and fight. You want things, you're going to get it. So you politic and you kill each other and And he said, you won't ask God for it because that would be a spiritual activity. So you fight and you lust and you commit spiritual adultery. And he said, I'm fed up with all of you. God's going to judge you. James chapter 4, worldly Christian church. A church is one of the most dangerous places in the world to be if people aren't under the control of the Spirit. Because everybody wants to do it their way. You know, religious wars are holy wars. Uh, everybody's right in their own eyes. It takes a lot of maturity in church to grow up and to differ that this is just the guy's opinion. It's not his Christian life. You can be spirit-filled and be wrong, by the way. Spirit-filling is not infallibility. Spirit-filling is God producing victory over the sin nature, first of all, and then it's going to produce something in us that we could not produce on our own without divine help. And he comes to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, now this fruit comes as we're walking in the Spirit, and we're walking in the Spirit when we're just trusting God, willing to obey God, and I'm going to live my life in obedience to God, and I'm walking along. I've got all this downward pool stuff that I said, I'm putting that to death. I'm not available. No, no. I'm available to the Father. And when I'm available to the Father, the Spirit wants to produce nine characteristics in me. And these characteristics have a lot to do with a communal expression. Uh, We need others around to have love demonstrated. Some are maybe personal joy, peace. But they seem to include how we relate to others and how we are getting along in our insides. What does the Spirit, what's His byproduct in us? Love. And uh, without overstating it, it's just simply a uh, care for others. Love. I mean, as I read this New Testament, if Christianity is anything, it is taught you to be a lover of God and a lover of people. To love. I mean, let's, let's don't complicate it. 
Do you love me? Do you love me? Do I love you? How would you know it? Would I wash your feet like Jesus did in the upper room? Would I forgive you? Would I feed you? Would I clothe you? Uh, love? Would I go out of my way to be good to you? Or am I keeping a ledger of your faults? Love is uh, patient. You know, First Corinthians 3, love doesn't keep a ledger of one's faults. Love is, uh, can outlast everything. The Spirit of God takes self-centered sinners and teaches us to love people. It's one of the clearest evidences of the love of God and of the Christian life is all how they love one another. And let's don't ever get so uh, sophisticated that we don't talk, do you love anybody? What are you doing to show that love? Love is never passive towards the object it loves. Passivity is a form of hate. I just won't do anything. Well, that's not love. That's hate. If God said, I so love you that I won't do anything about your problem, that's hate. God so loved that he did something. What did he do? He gave. And if we want to make it as simple as we want and can, loving as God wants us to love is an attitude of willing to give to every kind of person. Those who deserve it, those who don't, our enemies, uh, in our home, our children. We just become people characterized by love. I've met believers that the love is gone. Uh, the love for God is gone. <laughs> the love for the Word is gone. They don't talk the Word. The love for prayer, talking to God is gone. Because you see, you can lose it. You can lose it. You can fall away from your first love and need God to revive that and say, Oh, Father, I've got to trust you to love. I'm not loving by nature. That's what God wants to hear. That's when you're trusting him. Father, you know I don't love easily. God says, Thank you. Keep talking. Father, I want to love. Oh, oh that's what I've been wanting. You want to? Yes, but I don't know how. But you brought me into your confidence and you're telling me your faults. You see, growing Christians do two things constantly. They're constantly confessing their sins and they're constantly repenting. It's a way of life. You can't grow without confessing your sin and willing to change your mind. Father, I know you want me to love. I've heard a hundred sermons on it, but I don't do it. I don't feel like it. Good, I hear you. Thanks for telling me. But Father, I'm willing to do it. But you'll have to perform the miracle in me. I want the power. I want the enablement. Good. When you tell me you want to trust me, and when you tell me you're willing to do what I said, and even though you admit your inability, that won't hinder. I won't be grieved. I'm going to enable you to love like you never loved in your own strength and power. And God takes self-centered sinners and teaches us how to love. And that's all of us, isn't it? God doesn't want you to lie and say, God, you know I love them. God says, well, 
I don't call that love. I know you can't stand them. God, I can't forgive. I, I want to forgive, but I can't forgive. That's what God wants to hear. He doesn't want you to lie and say, well, I forgive them, but I don't. No, just say, I know you want forgiveness. I brought it to you. I trust your word. I want to do it your way. I want to obey, but I find myself like Sarah of old. I'm barren. I can't have the baby. I want a miracle, baby. I need divine power to take over here and to give this fruit in my life. Turn me into a lover of God and of people. The most contagious Christianity in all the world is a Christianity where you love people. If love is abounding in your heart and in your life, people will want to come to the church you come to. People will think of you as having an attitude that uh, they would say is supernatural to love. There's nothing in this world to make you love. There's everything in this world to make you on the defensive. Watch out. I'm going to hit you first. I'm not going to be stupid enough to let you get close to me. That's what this world will do to you. Only God can make you a lover of people and God. And I hear Paul say, the love of Christ constrains me. I'm operating out of a different motivation base now. You don't need to offer me a bonus. You don't have to offer me perfect people. The Spirit of God is producing a motive that the love of Christ constrains me, that I am willing to be spent for the cause of Christ. I don't love people because they're lovely. I love people because I'm operating under the influence of the love of God. Let's quit trying to find perfect people. We can't do it. Let's quit being critical. God, there's not one verse in this whole Bible that will make you critical of people. You may evaluate doctrine. You may evaluate where people are coming from, but the challenge is to love people. And so many times, let's just go to our knees and say, God, I don't hardly feel like loving my kids. I don't hardly feel like loving myself. I don't have it. Would you enable me to have what you want? God, would God answer a prayer if you ask him for what he wants you to do? Would he help you? I believe he would. Well, peace. And I take the peace here to be peace of God. That you're in a state of being calm uh, inside. Uh, well, I've skipped joy. We'll come back. Uh, one definition was, is an unruffled state of mind. Tranquility of mind based upon the resources of God. That's why he said, pray about everything. Don't worry. Uh, this world will destroy your peace. But he says the spirit, when we're walking in the spirit, the spirit will produce peace, an unruffled state of mind. Boy, anxiety is a killer. We are selling volume by the millions in this country because people can't sleep and can't relax on their own. They need help. Part of that happy hour crowd is, yeah, I'll take another one. How's it going? Hurry up, hurry. Uh, I'm getting ready to go home. I need a drink to walk through the front door. 
Why do you think liquor and all that stuff sells? It is a tranquilizer for natural people to get some kind of sense of peace, though it's a false security. What's the source of peace for the believer? The Spirit filling you, and He's told you how to appropriate it by prayer, but prayer is an act of trust. I'm not going to ask God to help me if I don't believe He can. I'm not going to ask for help if I don't think He cares. And when I pray, my faith has been displayed, and God replaces anxiety with peace. Philippians 4, 6. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. By the way, men, we would invite you to join us for our Valley Bible Church Men's Conference, Walking to Win. You know, life is a journey, and how you get through it matters. Abiding in Him makes all the difference in the world. This series will be taken from John chapter 15, and again, the conference is called Walking to Win. It's Friday, March 9th. Check in at 5.30, and Saturday, March 10th, with breakfast at 8 a.m. The price includes dinner Friday evening, breakfast, and lunch on Saturday, and each attendee's packet will include a free book that will be useful on your journey, a DVD, conference booklet, pen, and snacks. Again, that's Friday, March 9th, and Saturday, March 10th. The early bird special is $45 until the end of this month. After that, It's $60 a person, $30 for Saturday only. For information, simply stop by our website or give us a call, 855-833-9864, or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.